Arabia and its inhabitants, location and external boundaries. If one casts a glance upon the map of the continent of Asia, one will notice a peninsula located in the southwest of the continent, which in its breadth and span is the largest peninsula in the world. This is the land of Arabia, where Islam was born and spent its primary years. There is disagreement in the etymological background of the word Arabia. To some, it was named Arabia because the Arabic language, due to eloquence and purity of expression, possesses a distinguished position among all other languages to such extent as some research scholars have declared the Arabic language to be Umul As Al Sina, or the mother of tongues. Moreover, since the root word of Arabia carries the meanings of eloquence and purity in speech, the nation who spoke this language and the land where it was spoken became renowned as Arabia. According to another school of thought, this name is attributed to its vastly uninhabited wilderness because another meaning of the word Arabia is barren land. In regards to topographical land characteristics, geographers have categorized Arabia into three types. First are the coastal region, which extends over uniformly leveled surface, and in contrast to other regions, is temperate. Second is the mountainous region with valleys, which are the heart of the country. Third is the wilderness, which due to its vast desert is usually barren and uninhabited. Along the western coast of Arabia, a range of mountains run north and south, known as Jabal al-Sarat. Some of the mountains of this range reach an altitude of 8,000 or rather 10,000 feet, but the total average altitude is quite minimal. From the center of this range, another series of mountains, which in actuality is a combination of many smaller mountainous regions spread extensively to the north and south. It divides Arabia into two portions and extends towards the country's eastern coast. This vast region, which is situated in the center of Arabia and is significantly above sea level, is known as the saath e mordafa Najd. The average altitude of this region is approximately 4,000 feet. An exceedingly vast desert is situated to the north and south, and somewhat to the east of the South e Murtafa Najd. The northern desert of Arabia eventually meets the northern desert of Syria, and the southern desert, which is quite vast in areas and entirely barren land, is renowned as the Arabul Khali. Significantly high mountain range is also located towards the south and southeast of Arabia, hence the apex of various mountains in Oman reach an altitude of approximately 10,000 feet. In Arabia, there are no rivers worthy of mention. However, when it rains, water level rises in river channels and ravines, which gush forth water, and at times this results in floods. However, a scarcity of water generally exists in such magnitude as one is unable to find water for hundreds of miles. Fountains are found in some places and the source of succulents for surrounding habitation. Such fountains as have trees and gardens planted around them surrounded by miles and miles of barren desert, are known as an oasis. In Arabia, they are considered an immense blessing. The area of Yemen is the most fertile and verdant in all of Arabia. And in contrast to other regions, it possesses an abundance of ravines and springs. In the same manner, the region of Taif, which is situated at a distance of 20 miles to the southeast of Mecca, is also a pleasant and fertile region, which produces fruits of fine quality the northeast and southwest. However, there exists nothing but dry land on both sides. 
Therefore the winds that enter Arabia are naturally dry and devoid of moisture. It is for this very reason that there is a dearth of rain in the country. However, mountainous regions still extract the little moisture that these incoming winds bring. And due to this fact, some rainfall does occur in these regions as well. The passing of the Tropic of Cancer through the center of this country also contributes to its desert conditions and shortage of water. To geographers, it is not hidden that a region of this type, with regards to constant winds, is a zone of placidity. Therefore, it must be generally stated that Arabia is an arid country. Due to its location and land type, it is a country of scorching temperature. Hence, ultimately, its overall climate is to be recognized as hot and dry. In Arabia, the temperature during day and night drastically differ, and the cause of which is an abundance of sand. Sand burns exceedingly during the day and becomes very cold during the night, after rapidly releasing its heat. An abundance of dew is also attributed to this phenomenon. At times, a hot wind of a certain type blows in Arabia, which is referred to as Samum. When this wind blows, it causes complete darkness, and due to heavy sand concentration, often results in significant damage to lives and property. During the winter season, the temperature drops significantly in various parts of the country. Therefore, we shall see ahead that the season in which the Holy Prophet ﷺ was confronted with the Battle of the Ditch, the temperature of Medina was so bitterly cold as the people were benumbed by its severity. To leave one's bed required exceptional magnanimity. However, during the summer season, this very region would burn like a furnace. Produce In regards to botanical produce, Arabia is an exceedingly deprived country. In various places, for hundreds of miles, one is unable to find even remote signs of vegetation. A greater part of the country is composed of mountains and desert wastelands. The greatest produce is dates and is found all over the country in wide assortment. Dates are the true diet of the Arabs and are the primary means of sustenance. Moreover, many diverse items are prepared from them. Other fruits can also be found in various other parts of Arabia. And wherever water is available, people have planted their own gardens as well. Taif, in the region of Hejaz, was and still is particularly renowned for its gardens. In regions where agriculture is possible, for example, the coastal regions and valleys surrounded by mountainous terrain, various tribes manage to produce some grain by cultivating the land. Hence, barley and corn are planted in certain places and wheat is grown as well. Moreover, beans and other pulses are also grown in most places. Various vegetables are also produced along with coffee and hot spices. Grass grows abundantly in regions of rainfall. Regions of this sort are utilized as grazing grounds for animals. Separate grazing grounds have been fixed by every tribe, and the saath e murtafa Najd is a center of many pastures in particular. In the case of animal produce, three animals are especially renowned, the camel, horse, and donkey. The camel is a part of the necessities of life in Arabia. It is almost impossible to travel without a camel in a country like Arabia and in times of need its meat is also consumed. The Arabian horse, due to particular qualities, possesses a distinct status among the horses of the world. Arabs hold it very dear to themselves and do not usually allow its breed to be exported. The horse of Najib possesses special value and merit in the eyes of the Arabs. The donkey is also common and utilized as a mode of transport. 
In the time of Jahaliyyah, Arabs were accustomed to consuming its meat. Goats and sheep were also found in great abundance, and the wealthy possessed herds upon herds. Cows and oxen also live, but buffaloes do not exist in Arabia. Among wild animals, lions and cheetahs are found in certain areas. Wolves, hyenas, monkeys, and jackals, etc. are found in significant number. Moreover, deer and in mountainous terrain, wild goats can also be found. Wild donkeys are also existent and are fondly hunted by the Arabs. In the category of birds, whilst excluding common birds, only the ostrich is worthy of mention. This is an exceedingly large bird with extended legs and runs with such speed as even cows cannot contend. Among the animals that crawl and slither, only one type of chameleon is found abundantly, though snakes, etc., are also existent. The locust, whose meat is consumed, is found in large quantity, and it causes severe damage to gardens and crops, etc. Near the coast, fish is also found, and people catch it for the purpose of consumption. Mineral resources are all minimal in Arabia. Moreover, valuable and conducive ores and metals are as of equal to none. Some lead and copper along with minimal amounts of silver and iron are found. Coal, sulfur, and salt are also available, and gold is also found in some places. An English man by the name of Mr. Burton also embarked on an expedition in pursuit of gold, was unable to gain success in this endeavor. The seashores in Bahrain, which result in substantial commerce and now enormous oil reserve, have also been discovered in Arabia. Territorial Division In relation to its territorial division, Arabia is divided into many parts. The more significant sections are as follows. Hejaz refers to the western coastal region stretching along the Red Sea from Yemen to Syria. Makkah, Taif, Medina, and Jeddah are the largest cities that significantly populate this area. In the era of the advent of Islam, the tribes of Banu Kinana, Hodayl, along with the tribes of Hawazin from the Arabi Mustariba and the tribes of the Banu Qatan, such as the Azid, also resided in this region to the south of Hijaz. Another renowned region, which to some is included within its boundaries, is an area called Tihamal, which is also situated along the coast of the Red Sea. Yemen refers to a significantly verdant region situated in the southwest of Arabia. During ancient times, it was a center of a powerful and civilized sovereignty. Prior to Islam, it was governed by Abyssinia, and during the Islamic era by Persia. The large city of Sana'a at one time was well-renowned and was the capital of the sovereignty of Yemen. The nation of Saba, mentioned in the Holy Quran, once resided in this very place. Yemen was also the native land and residence of the Banu Qatan, and it was from here that various tribes of the Banu Qatan migrated to the northern regions of Arabia. Moreover, the Aus Khazraj of Medina, who later received the appellation of the Ansar, were also among those who migrated from here. Another region coupled with Yemen is Najran, which is situated in the northeast of Yemen. During the advent of Islam, this constituency was the main center of the Christians. The Holy Prophet ﷺ invited these very people to Mubahla, as mentioned in the Holy Quran. In the south of Arabia, to the east of Yemen is Hadramaut, and to the east of Hadramaut is Muhra. Both are prominent regions. To the southeast of Arabia is Oman, 
and its capital city named Muscat is well-renowned. In the east, along the coast of the Gulf of Persia, is a region of Al-Hissa, situated near the islands of Bahrain. It is for this very reason, upon various instances, Al-Hissa is also referred to as Bahrain. Pearls are extracted from the coast Bahrain. Najd is located in the center of Arabia, which is a widespread and renowned region. It is subdivided into many smaller regions, some of which are considered to be among the verdant areas of Arabia. The tribes of Gatafan and Sulaym, etc., resided here. Yamama, which is situated in the southeast of Najd, was the dwelling of Banu Hanifa, which was the tribe of Musailima Katab. Al-Ahkaf is a prominent region located between Yamama and Hadramaut. This was also home to the nation of Ad, to which Prophet Hud was sent. However, today it is completely abandoned and uninhabited. Adjoining Hijaz, there is a small region of Khaybar situated to the northeast of Najd. At one point in time, it was the major center of the Jews and had been secured by the building of fortresses. To the northeast of Khaybar, there was another center of the Jews known as Taima. In the close proximity of Taima was a settlement of Hajar, the village of Thamud, to which the prophet Saleh has been sent. To the western side of Hajar, towards the seashore, once was the region of Medan, where prior to his prophethood, Prophet Moses visited Prophet Shoeb and stayed there for some time. Inhabitants Arabia is a sparsely populated country. Lack of rain, excessive desert, and a deficiency of plant and mineral produce have collectively prevented a population increase. Nevertheless, its population today is stated to be approximately 7 million to 8 million, which is not overly diminutive considering the country's circumstance. With relation to the division of inhabitants, historians have divided Arabian tribes into two or, in another case, into three categories. arab e ariba refers to the ancient and actual inhabitants of the country, which have then been further divided into two categories. Those ancient inhabitants of Arabia who passed away prior to Islam, due to the remoteness of their existence, their detailed particulars are obscured. Yet it is known that they consisted of many tribes who inhabited various parts of the country, and among them some tribes possessed powerful and civilized governments. Among these tribes, the names of those well-renowned are Ad, Thamud, Tasim, Jadis, and Jarhumul Ullah. The homeland of Ad was in Akaf, and Thamud inhabited Jauf, which was located to the north of Hijaz. Due to the destruction of these ancient tribes, they are also referred to as Arab Ibaida. The tribes referred to as Banu Katan, which from various narrations were the children of Prophet Hud. Nonetheless, after Arab Ibaida, they dispersed throughout the country. Their actual homeland was Yemen, and from here they disseminated throughout Arabia and were thus divided into various branches. To the north of Arabia, Next to the sovereignties of Persia and Rome, there were the prominent governments of Hira and Ghassan. The rulers were also from Banu Khatan. At the advent of Islam, the Banu Khatan had expanded significantly and possessed strength within the country. A better part of the country was populated by them. The tribes of Medina, known as the Aus and Khazraj, were also from the Banu Khatan. 
In certain instances, the term Arabiariba is used only to refer to the Banu Katan, for which the reason seems to be that among the ancient and actual inhabitants of Arabia, it was this tribe alone who had continually resided in this country. The genealogical tree of the tribes of the Banu Katan is provided below. See Prophet of Noah map on page 63. Number 2. Arab e Mustariba refers to the people who emigrated and thus inhabited Arabia. Among them are predominantly the children of Ishmael, son of Abraham, who settled in Hejaz. They are also referred to as Adnani, who for among the children of Ishmael. The most significant individual from which these people spread was a man named Adnan. Gradually, the Banu Adnan were also divided into smaller branches and dispersed to various parts of the country. The Quraysh, into which the Holy Prophet was born, were also a branch of the Banu Adnan. As shall become apparent ahead, the Quraysh were the most powerful and influential tribe among the Arab in Mustariba at the time of the advent of Islam. In regards to the Arab in Mustariba, it should be kept in mind that Adnan was born many generations after the Prophet Ishmael. However, there is a disaccord in the narration relevant to the genealogical links of Ishmael and Adnan. Therefore, various non-Muslim historians have found the opportunity to raise objections as whether the Holy Prophet was even among the descendants of Ishmael. However, the narrations of Arabia unanimously concur that Ishmael immigrated and settled in Arabia. Moreover, the narrations of Arabia are also unanimous in the fact that Adnan was among the descendants of Ishmael. Therefore, with regards to the connecting genealogical links of these two individuals, a dissension in opinion does not at all affect the actual issue at hand. In any case, the genealogical tree of the eminent tribe of Adnan is provided below. See page 65 and 66. Arabian Civilization Prior to the Advent of Islam Prior to the advent of Islam, the country of Arabia, with the exception of a few coastal regions, was in a state of complete isolation from the outside world. So much so that as no outside nation or sovereignty ever cast an impression upon it, nor did the people of Arabia ever leave their homeland permanently. Prior to Islam, a civilized or centralized sovereignty within the country was never established. Although upon certain instances various governments were established in some regions, their authoritative jurisdiction was applicable only at the local level. The country never bowed before a single ruler. Rather, every tribe was free and had its own particular chieftain. However, in Arabia, no one actually received leadership by inheritance, nor was it in the form of an established sovereignty. In most instances, he who possessed the greatest ability among his tribe was generally accepted as leader, and the rest of the tribe followed his wishes. In regards to lifestyle, the Arabian diet, clothing, and manner of living was very simple and primitive. The common diet of the Arabs consisted of the milk of camels and goats as well as dates. Generally, barley was also used. The affluent consumed meat as well, and the roasted meat of camel or goat was much liked. Bread dipped in soup was considered food of high quality, which was referred to as tharid of Arabs. An equivalent style of simplicity and poverty was apparent in their clothing as well. The common man possessed no more than a single sheet of cloth, 
which would be tied around the waist in likeness of a mantle. Shirts were utilized by elite individuals alone, and a robe was as if a precious commodity. There were no carpets or bedsteads in most homes, and generally people would sleep on mats manufactured of date leaves. However, the wealthy utilized wooden beds. Awkwardly shaped blankets produced of camel wool were used for the purpose of covering. Well-established houses were few and usually pavilions, huts made of various fragments, and clay-built homes were in use. However, various distinct structures made of stone were also used. With relation to the division of population, Arabia was divided into two parts, Al-Hadr and Al-Badu. In other words, those who lived in towns and cities and those who lived in jungles correspondingly. Since the people of the city permanently resided in one area, they possessed a unique civilization and social structure. However, the Bedouin lifestyle was uncivilized and nomadic. They lived in travel pavilions and temporary homes and wood, with their family and cattle freely moved here and there throughout a vast region. They would encamp wherever they found water, and then continue onwards in another direction. And it is in this manner that the entirety of their lives would pass on. Ancient poets have depicted illustrations of their lifestyle beautifully in their poetry. Their dialect was far more pure and eloquent than that of the city. Moreover, a true image of Arabian nature and traits is explicitly visible in these people. Their profession should be thought of as that of a shepherd. Among the Arabs in various transactions, generally a barter system was utilized. However, irregularly shaped coins of gold and silver were also in use. Hence, two types of silver coins were in circulation, the dirham and akia. One akia was considered equivalent to 40 dirham. The customary gold coin was a dinar. The custom of weighing this with scales was not widely practiced. Generally, the custom was to measure. Therefore, among the Arabs, the two famous measurements in use were the mud and sa. The instrument of measurement was the dira, or arm's length, which was an equivalent to 1.5 feet. Circumcision was a custom among the Arabs, so much so that in some instances, even women would undergo circumcision. It was also a normal custom for the dead to be given a bath and buried in a white shroud. The Arabs usually kept a beard and would trim their mustache. Moreover, the practice of receiving and paying usury was more or less a norm. Arabian Trade and Commerce The national professions of the Arabs were three alone. Firstly, agriculture, which was confined to a significantly small portion of the entire country. Secondly, to nourish and maintain cattle, which is more commonly known as pasturing. And thirdly, trade and commerce which should be considered the largest profession in Arabia. Since time immemorial, the people of Arabia were professionals in commerce. Tribes which were settled near the coast or lived near civilized countries were diligently engaged in trade since the ancient times. In the early era, it was primarily the Arabs who imported and exported goods between the east and the west. Therefore, their caravans would travel regularly between Syria and Egypt on one side and along the coast of the Indian Sea on the other. This consistent travel served as a connecting commercial chain between Syria, Egypt, and India. However, due to the opening of passage through the sea, Arabian commerce suffered immensely. As a result, on the ancient passage which led to the eastern coast of Arabia, extending from Syria to Hejaz, 
then to Yemen, and further on through Hadramaut. The traffic of mercantile caravans practically came to a complete halt. The only business activity left was to be within the country alone. This local trade was confined only to places like Hejaz, Yemen, Bahrain, Najd, etc. However, approximately a hundred years prior to the birth of the Holy Prophet the chain of Syria's commerce commenced once again with Yemen and Bahrain. Although this commerce was not of the same magnitude, nor could it have possibly been, yet the country was somewhat revived. In the time of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, the mercantile caravans of the Quraysh regularly traveled to Syria and Yemen. These caravans traveled to other regions as well. However, during this time period, the largest business relationship of the Quraysh existed with Syria. The route utilized most often whilst traveling from Mecca to Syria led to the north along the Red Sea. Yathrib which later became known as Medina, was situated in the close proximity of this very route. Along the passage of Syria, the location wherefrom the path of Medina separates to the east is known as Badr, where the first battle between the Muslims and idolaters took place. Generally, goods of export consisted of valuable minerals, pearls, animal hide, hot spices, and fragrant materials. As can be easily assumed, Products of import were generally comprised of grain, clothing, weaponry, liquor, and dry foods. It was the custom of Arabia to arrange commercial carnivals at various locations during different times of the year, wherein merchants from far and wide would thus engage in trade. Regions such as Dumatul Jandal near Syria, Musharkar in Bahrain, Waba in Oman, Sana'a in Yemen, and Ukaz in Hejaz were in particular quite noteworthy in the observance of these carnivals. Education and Ancient Poetry Literacy was existent among the Arabs, but little. With the exception of a few distinct individuals, the entire country was illiterate, and of these educated individuals, most resided in the cities. However, despite illiteracy, the Arabs were quite proud of their eloquence and fluency of speech, to such extent as they called the rest of the world ajami, meaning dumb and mute. There is no doubt in the fact that with respect to their eloquence, the Arabs did in fact possess a kind of perfection, the magnitude of which was second to none. The poetry of many poets of the Jahaliya is preserved to this day. The apparently noticeable eloquence, purity, and fluency of speech the powerful passion and enthusiasm, the refulgent glimpse of a life of complete freedom and expression, a likeness of naturally flowing waves, cannot be found in the poetry of any other nation. They were able to express their heartfelt thoughts with extreme informality in an explicitly depictive tongue. Their words were not an empty exhibition of art. They did not possess hypocritical ostentation nor is the disposition subjected to stress or coercion as a result of them. It is for this very reason that their poetry is a pure and perfect depiction of their thoughts, emotions, and lifestyle. The Arab nation themselves also recognize their intrinsic excellence. Therefore, a historian has written, The Arab people congratulated each other on three instances alone. Firstly, at the birth of a boy, secondly at the rise of a new poet, and thirdly at the birth of an exceptional calf. This brief sentence portrays a complete silhouette of Arabian lifestyle. Poets were considered the chieftains and leaders of Arabia. 
They possessed the power through their poetry to send their two tribes into war, thus instigating a wildfire in the land. Arab poets would gather at certain locations and would compete in a demonstration of skill and genius. Ukaz, a verdant place situated between Nakhla and Taif to the east of Mecca, was particularly renowned in the Jahaliya of carnivals and gatherings of this sort. It is here that a carnival would be held in the Ikada every year. Participants would gather from far and wide. In addition to the other activities, a competition of poetry, eloquence, and fluency of speech would be held between various tribes of Arabia. After the fall of Mecca, when delegations from all over Arabia began to present themselves before the Holy Prophet ﷺ, the criterion of truthfulness, which the Banu Tamim presented before the Prophet ﷺ, sheds light on the significance of poetry in the country of Arabia. Rather than indulging in an argumentative discussion, this tribe stated that we have merely come before you in the observance of a contest between your poet and ours. Hence, they gave rise to a poet of their tribe who presented a few couplets in the extolment of his tribe. Then the Holy Prophet instructed Hassan bin Thabit Ansari to stand, who presented a few vigorously formidable couplets in praise of the Holy Prophet and his companions. The Banu Thamim was compelled to accept the eloquent superiority of these couplets and subsequently accepted Islam. Customs and Tribal Lifestyle Among the foul habits of the Arabs, three were particularly distinct. Drinking, gambling, and fornication were so abundantly rampant that may God be a refuge. To one's amazement, these habits were considered a means of pride. Therefore, poets of the Jahliya measurably make mention of such lewdness in a description of their explicit experiences. Moreover, without such explicitly lewd mention, poetry was considered meaningless to the Arabs. Therefore, it was considered incumbent that in the prelude to a Gasida, regardless of its actual topic, the poet would make explicit mention of his actual or longed for lover and would describe a few of his intimate encounters with her. Gab bin Zuhair was a renowned poet who came before the Holy Prophet and presented a qasida in the praise of the Holy Prophet which is known today as the Banat Saud. In the prelude of this poem as well, the poet relates stories of his suffering and the relevance to his parted lover. The level of shamelessness was such that on various instances, masters would subject their female slaves to prostitution and would acquire its generated revenue. However, the nobility was free of such utter disgrace. Due to ignorance and the unnecessary fury of the Arabs, fighting would erupt among the pettiest of matters. It is apparent that through history, that upon certain instances, two tribes would fall into a vehement war over a small incident and then gradually various other tribes would also become involved, due to which murder and bloodshed would continue for years upon years. The instance mentioned below is a minor page in the history of Arabia. To the end of the 5th century AD, Khuleh bin Rabia was a very powerful, influential ruler who was the chieftain of the Banu Taglib, which inhabited the northeast of Arabia. Halila bint Murah, the wife of Khuleb, belonged to the Banu Bakr bin Wail. 
Halilal had a mother named Jasas, who lived with his maternal aunt, Basus. It so happened that a person named Saad visited Basus and stayed with her as a guest.